You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Brilliant. Well, it's day seven of 21 days of prayer, and I know many of you are fasting in different ways, and I want to say, well done. Keep going. You know, if it's gone really badly this week, just, just go again this week. I know when I first, well, for a very long time, actually, I was really, really poor at fasting, and I would often give up until I realized, actually, some people love it during fasting, like, you know, Luke and Martin stand up here, and they say, I'm so excited about fasting. We're so loving this. And uh, I used to just find it really hard. And uh, then I realized that often the breakthrough comes after you fast, and that's really helped me. It's like, it's okay if today is just tough because I know that there'll be a breakthrough when we get to the other side, and that helps me to keep going and to push through. But if you've not done well historically with fasting, just give it another go. I stand here as testimony that you can do really badly at it for quite a long time and still come through and learn how to fast. So we've embarked on a food fast in our household, and just before going to bed last night, I was just reading, I'm reading a a, a biography of sorts, and the lady was talking about being given a dream from God and the, the general idea that God sometimes speaks to us in dreams. You know when you read things like that, you think, well, maybe tonight the Lord will speak to me while I'm fasting. So went to sleep, woke up this morning. I've got to say, the only dream that I remember was so weird. It definitely wasn't God. In fact, the only thing in the dream that made sense was seeing Martin with a huge glass of thick pink something, like a milkshake or something, and me thinking in the dream, I'm not sure he should be having that while he's fasting. (laughs) I think subconsciously, uh, my body is trying to process the fact that it feels it needs a little more. Anyway, it's been so encouraging to gather and to pray, to lift up Jesus together, to enjoy the Lord together, and to pray together in our lunch times and on Wednesday and Friday. I particularly, I loved it on Friday, so we had some children and some young people in our prayer meeting who were actively involved and engaged, and it was just fantastic to have them there with us. But here we are, Sunday morning, second week of Teach Us to Pray. And as was said last week, you know, the disciples, they spent three years with Jesus. They saw him do miracles. They saw him um, send demons out of people. They saw him walk on water. They saw him do all manner of extraordinary things. But what we get in Scripture, what we get uh, insight into of them asking him is, Lord, teach us to pray. They asked him. They knew they needed to be taught by him to pray. And I think for most of us at Christians, at least at some point in our lives, we feel We wish we knew better how to pray. It's like, teach us to pray. You know, prayer, it's not about just bringing an ask to God. It's not about trying to get what we want from his hand. Prayer essentially is learning to communicate with God. It's learning to engage with him, to encounter him, to have a dialogue and to build a relationship. Now, for some of us, it's hard to get started in that. Maybe you're a new Christian Maybe you have just never really got to the point where you can pray out loud. For many people, it's a struggle to begin at first to pray out loud, to let someone else hear your prayer. Or maybe even in private, it can be hard to say those words out loud. If that's you here this morning, I just want you to know it's really common. Loads of people find that at first. It isn't just you. So many people experience that, but then get over it as they step out 
and as they push through. And getting over it can be so helpful to growing in your relationship with God. I would go so far as to say, actually, it's critical in growing in your relationship with God. Because for all of us, we need to be able to participate in a community of God's people and to speak to Him together. It's where we find strength and it's how we grow. If you find yourself in that place this morning, well, I'd encourage you maybe to write down your prayers and then read them out as a next step. It kind of just breaks down the task a little bit and helps you to get over it. Just take a slightly smaller step next. Or if you're in your life group, write something down before going and then read it at the end of life group. But just determine that you're not gonna stay stuck where you are. And also I wanna encourage you, uh, you don't need to know any special language to pray. I know some people, uh, if you know some of the Bible, then they might want to bring those words out in prayer, and that's, and that's good, but if you don't, that's okay. You know, the best language to pray in is your language. The best way to talk to God is the way that you normally speak. And so if I can encourage you to just put aside any sense that you've got to find a special way of speaking or a special turn of phrase, just be yourself and talk to God. And if you're not an English speaker, feel free to begin in your own language, your mother tongue, because you know, sometimes our mother tongue can be more intimate to us than a language we're learning, even if we've got quite good at it. The key thing is that we all keep growing in our prayer. We all keep growing in our communication with God. For many of us, we may have got started okay. Some of us might have struggled at the outset, but for some of us, we might start well, but then find that we get a bit shipwrecked somewhere along the way. Maybe we can have a season with a crisis or a challenge or a struggle, and we find ourselves not quite as able to pray as we had been. I remember a time after my oldest son was born, and you, anyone here who's had a baby, you'll know this, your life changes when you have a baby. And sleep particularly is not what it once was. And, and after about six months of being extremely tired, of life having been completely different, uh, I'd kind of just lost my passion a bit for God. And my prayer life was not in a good way. It wasn't really surprising. It wasn't something I was beating myself up about. It's like when you've got a little one, you have to look after the little one. And sometimes that takes all of your energy. I remember in that time going to a prayer meeting, and in that prayer meeting, a lovely guy in our church, a Nigerian, he began to pray out. Have we got any Nigerians here this morning? I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad because you're praying people, and you guys know how to pray, and I'm grateful for that. But in that prayer meeting on that day, this Nigerian began to pray. And you know, Nigerians can pray long, yeah? Never ask a Nigerian to say, Grace, the meal will be cold. But he, this guy, he began... I can't remember anything he prayed, but I just remember that he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And it felt like with every line, I was just feeling more acutely aware of my own limitation, of my own frustration. And it just became, it got angrier and angrier. It wasn't very godly at all, and it's terrible to say. In the end, I left the room, had to go to the toilet, sort myself out. It's like, come on, Esther, sort yourself out. But I say it simply to illustrate, it's like we can all sometimes get to a place where we're not where we thought we wanted to be in prayer. It can be frustrating, it can be limiting, it may even make you angry. But there's always a way through. 
I won't go into those things today, but you know, just for me, finding some different ways to pray in that season that were much more simple to how I had used to pray was important for me just to reconnect with God and to begin to grow my prayer life again. And that's why we're doing this series, Teach Us to Pray, because we understand that all of us sometimes can just need a bit of help to get our prayer life going or going again. It's really just here to help us to connect with God, to give us ways to pray and things to say. Not that we want everything that we say to God to come from someone else, but sometimes it can just help us to get started. Because often once we get started, then we're all right. We're off. We can take it from there. And so today's tool is Psalm 23. Uh, Probably a very familiar psalm to most of us, but it's a way of using this psalm that I came across last October, presented by Pastor Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. He's a brilliant pastor. In fact, the the tools that we're going to present the next three weeks, uh, we have really gleaned from Pastor Chris Hodges. So I came across this and it's been so helpful and so accessible. That's why we want to share them with you. Because frankly, they're, they're just easier to take on board than anything else we had that we could give you. So we've been using it. I've been using this pretty much every day since October. I'm just going to share it with you this morning. Before we just get into that, I want to pose a question to us, though, which is this. Why does God answer our prayer? As we come into 21 days of prayer, why does God answer prayer? Why does he hear? Why does he listen? Because I want us to understand that it's not because we fast. It's not because of what we do. And when we're fasting, we're not earning points for answered prayer. In fact, we're fasting simply to dampen down the strength of the will of our flesh so we can be sensitive to the Spirit. So we can get closer to God. So we can be more attuned to Him. We don't earn anything. Anything we ever have from God's hand is by grace. So it's not because of that. So why does He answer prayer? See, God answers prayer because of who He is. It's because of his nature, his nature that is revealed through scripture in how he treats his people, but also in the names that he gives to his people by which he will be revealed. He gives them names at different points which reveal what he's like, reveal what he will be to them and what he is promising them in the covenant that he makes to them. And in Psalm 23, where we're going to go today, there's eight of these names, really, eight of these attributes of God that are expressed in the psalm. And so we can go through the psalm and use it as a simple tool to help us to focus on what God is like and what we can thank him for. Fix our eyes on his greatness and his kindness. If you were here before Christmas in our Passion for the Present series, then you'll have heard us talk about Toda, which is this Hebrew part of a word for praise and a way of coming in, where we enter into his courts with thanks. And Toda was a posture of thanksgiving. Actually, we come in with thanks and with praise. And as I try to come into the presence of God with thanks and praise, sometimes I find that really easy and it flows out of me. And some days it can be a bit harder. I can find myself struggling a bit more to think, well, what do I, what do I thank God for? What, how can I get that going? And 
really, by going into this psalm, I'm hopeful that it's just going to fuel our toda. This is somewhere where if you get up tomorrow and you're like, I just don't know where to start, I don't know what to say. Well, perhaps you could start here. And these things that we put before you this morning might be ways for you to begin to thank and to praise God. So we're going to read the psalm together. It's going to come up on the screen here. And I wonder if we could read this out together. The Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful psalm. In fact, if you've never learned a psalm off by heart, this is a really good one to learn off by heart. But this morning, I'm simply going to walk through these eight attributes of God that we find in the psalm. As we go along, I'm going to give us the Hebrew names that God reveals in Scripture as His covenant names. Some of you may be interested in those. Some of you may just think they're weird and unnecessary, and that's fine. I want to tell you, if you like the Hebrew name or even use the Hebrew name, it doesn't mean you're more holy, it doesn't mean you're more spiritual, and it doesn't mean your prayer's more likely to be answered. It's just some people might find it interesting or useful. So let's begin at the top. I'm going to suggest that you keep Psalm 23 open on a Bible or a device in front of you so you can follow it through with you there. If you haven't got a Bible but you've got your prayer book, well, that's, this is on page 11 in your prayer book. So we start here, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And here, the name of God that he's revealing is Jehovah Ra, the Lord, your shepherd. This is what he's saying he is. He is like a shepherd. We don't always know what a shepherd really is like because we, in the UK, we just see sheep, if you go out into the countryside, just roaming in the fields. But in the Middle East, a shepherd is a 24-7, 365 days a year job where you lead the sheep out. You lead them to where they can find something to drink. You lead them to where there is pasture. You watch over them to protect them from attack, from snake or lion or bear. You are watching over the flock. You are attentive. It is a full-time job, if you like. And it requires you to know the sheep, to know them each, to know what they need, to know what they require. And this is what God's saying. This is the kind of God that I am. I'm the Lord, your shepherd. I'm one who is attentive to you. I'm drawing you into relationship with me that I would know you. He says, well, Jesus says in John 10, he actually calls himself the shepherd. And he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This would be typical of the relationship between sheep and shepherd. Then he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. He says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. What a shepherd this is. What kind of a God this is. 
who brings us into safety for eternity, who protects us, who gives himself for us. So this is the first name of God, the first attribute, if you like, Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. So when I begin in the morning, I simply get up, I say, Lord, thank you this morning that you're my shepherd. Thank you that you're attentive to me. Thank you that you're drawing me into relationship with yourself. Thank you that you're leading me today to what I need to feed on. Thank you that you have given yourself for me to protect my life, not just for today, but for eternity. That's how my prayer time begins in Psalm 23. And then the psalmist goes on to the second attribute. He says, I shall not be in want. And here we see revealed really that God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I am the Lord who provides, he says. Jehovah Jireh really means he's the Lord who sees and who sees to it. He knows what you need. If you're sitting here this morning and you've got a need, there's a God who sees and there's a God who'll see to it. You know, so often we think we've got to carry our needs ourselves. We are our, our own providers. And can I say to us this morning, it's good to work hard and it's good to take responsibility. That's right and that's proper. It's good for us to steward well what's been put into our lives, our, our gifts, our skills, our time. And yet, we are not meant to own the weight of the responsibility of being our own provider. God says, I am your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh. Which means sometimes he may ask us to do things that we don't feel we have the resource for. Sometimes he may call us beyond what we feel we have the resource for, but that's because he's our provider. So we can step out and follow him wherever he leads because I'm not my own provider. He is my provider. There's this beautiful verse in Philippians 4:19, and it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus. This is the God that we come to. He is Jehovah Jireh. There is no lack in him, and because of him, I will not be in want. There's so many struggle and strain to try and be financially secure. It's good for us to be wise with our money, but you know if you put your hope in wealth and in your own ability to make yourself secure, you can never truly achieve that. Money is not certain. Wealth is not dependable. It can be gone in a moment. We put our hope in God. He is our provider. So when I come in the morning, I say, thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh. Thank you. You are my provider. Thank you that because of you, I'm not going to be in want today. You're going to provide whatever I need. There's not going to be anything that is needful that you don't bring to me and you don't provide for me, just like you have done every day of my life. Thank you for all you provided, and thank you that I know that today you are Jehovah Jireh again, my provider. He's our shepherd. He's our provider. The psalm goes on. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And this brings us to the third name and attribute of God, that he is our peace. He knows that we need rest and he makes us lie down. He is our peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. Shalom 
means the richest, fullest version of peace you could ever really understand. It means a total well-being, peace. I know that every one of us in the room knows that sometimes we need peace from somewhere else. Sometimes we lose our peace. Sometimes our peace gets robbed. Sometimes there's, there's all kinds of pressures, aren't there, in life. The pressures of work, the pressures of health and family. Sometimes there's too much to do, and sometimes that's our fault because we took too much on. And sometimes it's not. It's just the circumstances we find ourselves in, the pressures around us. We lose our peace. And he says, I come to you to make covenant with you as the Lord your peace. He says, I am Jehovah Shalom. I am your peace. I bring you peace, but I am your peace. For me, it's so important some mornings to remind myself, whatever might be pressurizing me, whatever might seek to make me anxious, that he is bigger, he is greater, he can sort any of those things out in a moment and that he wants me to walk in peace through it. You know, he can give peace in the midst of circumstances where by rights we shouldn't have peace. Now, I speak to followers of Jesus often who say, I'm asking about something difficult they're going through and they'll say, well, there's this and there's that and that's not going well, but I don't understand, but in the middle of it, I have such peace. It's because he is Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord, our peace. Jesus said these words, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. So don't give it how the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I think maybe there's some people here this morning and you need to receive peace afresh this morning. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is your peace. I want to just open your heart to him right now. Breathe in his peace. Let it come and overwhelm the anxiety, the fear, the pressure. In the morning, I say, thank you, Lord. You are my peace. Thank you, I can walk through today with your peace. All the things that might concern me, I give them to you and I exchange them for your peace today. That I might walk in the fullness of what you give to me. Restore my peace, Lord. For this is who he is. He's our shepherd. He's our provider. He is our peace. Moving through the, through the psalm, he then says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord, your healer. You know, it is true that God does still heal bodies. We've just been so grateful to see some of the healings through in people in the church in the last 12 months or so, particularly in the six, it's been such a, a beautiful grace to see people's lives turned around by his healing touch of their bodies. But here he says, I'm the restorer of your soul. I'm your healer. You see, the truth is that every part of us that isn't as it should be, he heals. 
He comes to restore, to repair, to make back how it should be, to recover, to make fresh is what the words mean here. You know, all of us begin life broken, broken humanity, in need of redemption, in need of repair, in need of restoring, in need of healing. This is what God does in us day by day is he restores us. He heals us, heals our hearts. When we've been through stuff, he can heal our pain, our emotions, lifts the burdens off us. Sometimes it can be like the oil of his presence and spirit that comes to minister into the deep places of our lives that others may know about or may not know about, but he is the healer. Do you know he knows any pain that you're walking through right now or any pain that you're carrying from a previous situation? He is your healer. He wants to make you whole and he can make you whole. And if you keep walking with him, he will heal you. Interestingly, James 5.16 encourages us. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. You know, when it comes to being healed in our souls, in our hearts, in our emotions, and being made whole in our lives, we need one another. Sometimes we need people alongside us to who we can admit that things are not quite how they should be, and that helps us to journey into healing. That's why life groups are so powerful potentially for us, why accountability, people we'll share with and be real with, are so critical to our growing because it's how we get whole. But it's only because that makes room for the healer to come in. He is our healer. So, so often in the morning I say, thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Rapha. Thank you that you are my healer. Thank you for the times that you have healed me. Thank you for the work that you're still doing on the inside of me to restore your image in me. Thank you that you are healing me day by day. Thank you for the relationships that you're healing and that you're working in. Thank you for where every place that you're restoring. I'm so grateful that you are Jehovah Rapha. Psalm continues, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the Lord is my righteousness. He reveals himself as Jehovah Sidkenu, is I think how it's said. The Lord, my righteousness. Righteousness is a, is a big word that we can sometimes misunderstand. Righteousness really just means in right standing with God. So if we're righteous, it's because we're right before God. And the truth is that none of us in our own standing is righteous. None of us has our own righteousness. Our own attempt at that is a poor effort, frankly. As it says in Romans 3, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And yet the Lord says, I am the Lord, your righteousness. He comes and he makes us righteous. This is what was happening on the cross when Jesus Christ hung there. He took your and my sins and debts and unrighteousness, our shabby attempt. He took it and he hung it on the cross and through his bloodshed washed us clean to put us in right standing with God that we would be able to come and stand before him as if without sin or blemish. He made us righteous. He says, I am the Lord, your righteousness. You can credit 
yourselves as if you were righteous in me. This is what he does. He says, that's who I am. That's the God I am. I'm a holy God, but I'm the Lord, your righteousness. I'm going to make you acceptable. And not only does he do that, but then he comes and works in us day by day. He leads us in the paths of righteousness, which means today, I'm not just going to get to the end of another day and then say, oh, I need, to, I need you to clean me and wash me again, Lord, because of all the rubbish stuff that I've done. But actually, he's helping us and changing us, leading us in paths of righteousness. As Paul says it in Philippians, he's working in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. He's leading us in paths of righteousness, changing us to become like him. He is the Lord, our righteousness. In my prayer in the morning, it probably sounds a bit like this, Lord, I thank you that you are Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, my righteousness. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you've put me in right standing with God. And thank you that you're working in me today. Thank you you're not finished with me yet. Please carry on your work in me. I love you, Lord, my righteousness. The psalmist continues, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, for you are with me. God reveals himself here as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is there is what it really means. He's our constant companion. This is what Jehovah Shammah means. He's there. He's right by your side, right next to you, all the time. He's never leaving. He's not clearing off anywhere. He is everywhere, and he's there, right by you, right where you are right now. You know, he's next to you in church, but he's also, when you go home, he's gonna be there. When you're in work tomorrow morning, he's gonna be there. When you're on the playground going to pick up your children, he's there. When you're in the gym, on the treadmill, he's there. When you're in the hospital, in the bed, he's there. Right there. There is no place where he isn't. The psalmist says elsewhere, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle even on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will hold me. Your hand will hold me fast. This is Jehovah Shammah. He's going to be there. You know, sometimes we can feel alone. It's good to be alone sometimes. We all need to learn to be alone. But God doesn't want us to be lonely. And we never need to feel lonely because there's always someone who's there. Always there. You know, I had a season in my life where when I first left home, I'd grown up in Birmingham. I then lived in France uh, for a year. I then came back and moved to Nottingham as a student. And my life felt like it was all in different places. There were lots of different groups of people and none of them knew each other. There were different experiences, different churches, different ways of doing things and there was very little overlap. And I, I, didn't, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere and I felt like nobody really knew me because nobody really knew all the places where I'd been. And in that season, the Lord said, I was there. I'm Jehovah Shammah. I was there at home. When you were in France, I was there. When you're in Nottingham, I was there, and I'm here today, and I know you, and I know what you've walked through, and I know the people you've met, and I know the experiences, and I know what it's marked you with, and I know how you feel, because I was 
there. However you feel, whatever you've journeyed through, maybe you're far from home this morning. He knows you because he was there and he's here with you today. And he's journeyed through every moment and every day and he's seen it all. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Hebrews 13, it says this, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid because what can mere man do to me? You know, whatever you're facing this week, you don't need to be afraid. Because the one who is Lord of all has said, he's never gonna leave you and he's never gonna forsake you. He says, I am Jehovah Shammah and I am the Lord who is there. So know that wherever you're going this week, whatever you're walking into, he's gonna be there, your constant companion. Now I love it here because this psalm shifts gear at this moment. The psalmist begins, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me, he guides me. But at this point, he says, for you are with me. He starts off talking about God, but now at this point he says, but you are with me. He's talking to God. And I wanna say, you know, we talk about entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, but here it is, exampled by the psalmist that when we begin to talk about God, when we begin to talk about how good he is, about what he's like, it leads us into his presence. We move from talking about him to come right in and start talking to him. Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, how they comfort me. And we will find in our times, if we will begin to speak out what God is like, it will help us to come into his presence and to meet with him. And so in my times of prayer, so often I'll probably say, Lord, thank you that you are Jehovah Shammah. Thank you that you are there. Thank you that you've always been there. And thank you that you've promised you're never gonna leave me and you're never gonna forsake me. Thank you that I know that whatever happens today, you're gonna be there by my side. Thank you, Jehovah Shammah. What a fantastic psalm this is. He then says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, this is good news here because he is our defender. He says, I am Jehovah Nissi. I'm the Lord, your banner of victory. A banner of victory. Anyone want to go into tomorrow with a banner of victory over them? Because you go, and it's not just any banner of victory, it's the banner of victory that is the Lord God himself who made all things. He says, I am Jehovah Nissi. I am the Lord, your banner of victory. It's like when we go into battle, when we come up against it, it's like God puts a banner over us that says, we've already won. Because you know, he's already won. Because when he was on the cross, he defeated the enemy. He defeated sin, he defeated the devil. And when he rose from the grave, he defeated death, which was the last power that the enemy had left. He is victorious. He is victorious. And now he says, I'll come and share my victory with you. He says, I'll prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. You sit down and eat. I will deal with the enemy. You know, if you're familiar with scripture, you'll see in Exodus, when the Israelites are there at the Red Sea, the Egyptians bearing down on them, believe me, they were scared. There was a fight coming. And the Lord says to them, 
I will fight for you. You need only to be still. And sure enough, he makes a way where there was no way. He says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to fight for you. But I need you just to sit at my table, feed on me, and I will fight for you. I am your defender. I am Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, your banner of victory. I hear so many stories. Often they're not the kind of story that you'd share from the front or from the pulpit, but from people walking with Jesus, but in difficult circumstances, maybe for some reason battles in the courtroom, maybe legal battles, maybe financial battles, sometimes relational battles, and the Lord brings them through. And they say, I don't know how this is all completely turned around, but it never looked like it was going to work out this way, but the Lord has come through for me. It's because he is our defender. He is the Lord, my banner of victory. I've had situations myself where there's been times where I've been desperate to speak, desperate to say something. The Lord said, you don't say a word. You be silent. I'm fighting this one. Don't you wade in. It's difficult. Who knows it's difficult to be silent when you want to fight? Yeah, it's difficult. He says, you be silent. You sit at my table and eat. Let me fight. You know when you do that? He fights for you. He's on your side. He brings your victory to bear in your situation. He is Jehovah Nissi. He is the Lord, my banner of victory. If you're in a battle this morning, if you're in a season and there's a fight, you don't need to fight. You need to eat at his table and trust him and start speaking out. Lord, you are Jehovah Nissi. You are the Lord, my banner of victory. You are my defender. In the mornings, as I pray, it's part of my thanks. Lord, thank you that you are Jehovah Nissi. Thank you that you are the Lord, my banner of victory. Thank you that you're over my life. Thank you that you're sharing your victory with me. Thank you that you're going to come through every place where I need you to. Thank you, Lord, is a bit what it sounds like. Excuse me, pacing a bit this morning. You know, I found that as I've begun to use these words in my prayer time, I can't start sitting down anymore, uh, which also helps me stay awake. We know when you've set the alarm early, on my feet, just talking to the Lord, and it helps me to engage. The final of the eight attributes of God in this psalm, it says, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over, or my cup overflows. And here we see that God is my sanctifier, Jehovah Makadesh. It means the one who sets you apart, sets you apart for purpose. And this is what anointing is about. It's about setting someone apart for purpose. He puts his Holy Spirit in us, gives us more than we need just for ourselves so that it can run over into the lives of others. You know, that's not just true of people who minister. It's not just true of pastors or worship leaders or anyone else on the pulpit. This is what he does for every believer. It says we're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus with good works prepared in advance for us to do. That's every person. There's good works for you. There's gifts in you. Things that you can do with ease that I would find so hard. You've got enough for yourself and enough for others. It can overflow out of you. It's what God has anointed you with. And mercifully, we're a body and we all have different gifts. But he is the one who anoints us, who gives us purpose, who sets us apart, who calls us to come and be part of his redeeming of mankind. 
And on with that process of transforming our societies and restoring them to what he created for them to be. It says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his glorious light. Friends, he's called you with a purpose. He's anointed you with his Holy Spirit. Of course, all of us can have seasons where we perhaps need to push in closer and learn to receive so we are full of the Holy Spirit, so it can flow out from us. But he has begun that work in us. He is Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. And so in the mornings, I say, Lord, thank you. You are Jehovah Makadesh. Lord, thank you that you are the Lord, my sanctifier. Thank you that you've anointed me and you've given me your Holy Spirit. Thank you that because of your spirit in me, there are gifts in me that are not just for me, but they can overflow to serve others. Help me today to function out of those gifts and not just out of the natural me. Thank you, Lord, that you call me and you give me purpose. Thank you, you are Jehovah Makadesh. Psalm finishes with this great verse. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when you declare the goodness of God, when you, if you walk through these attributes of God, these names of God, what he's like and what he comes to be to you, I wanna tell you that the day begins to look different. Your perspective begins to shift when you look at the goodness of God the giving of God to you, to what he is and what he is making available to you. When I start the day and say, Lord, you're my shepherd, you're my provider, you're my peace, you're my righteousness, you're my healer, you're my constant companion, you're my defender and my sanctifier. I begin to remember who I've got on my side. I begin to remember what my life is all about because it doesn't always come to mind straight away when you roll out of bed, yeah? I remember who's with me. I remember that God has got me for eternity. I remember that he's made me with a plan and a purpose. I remember that he's gonna fill today with his presence and he's gonna be there. I remember that everything I need, he's gonna provide. I remember that if anything crops up, he's gonna give me his peace because he is peace why the psalmist can say with confidence, surely goodness and mercy are gonna follow me all the days of my life because if this is the God that I serve, if this is what he's like, if he's the shepherd, if he's provider, if he's healer and peace, if he's my constant companion and my defender, surely goodness and mercy are gonna follow me every day of my life. And then I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful truth. Actually, this God is gonna be with us all through every day of our lives. And then one day when our time is up on this earth, then the one who has been our constant companion through all the days on earth will come and take us by the hand to be in his house forever. The one who has protected our life for eternity and says we cannot be snatched out of his hand because he's the good shepherd. He's gonna take us home, which means I'm blessed today. It means I'm gonna be blessed tomorrow. It means I'm gonna be blessed for eternity. It means my life is secure in his hand. I have hope, I have future, I have provision, I have presence, I have peace. 
because of who my God is. The day looks different when we begin with who God is. I'm gonna say prayer sounds different when we begin with who God is. His goodness, his greatness, his generosity and grace towards us. And as we begin to speak out what he's like, it ushers us into his very presence to speak directly to him and not about him. I'm gonna invite the band to come. As we finish this morning, we're gonna make a simple response, but I'm gonna invite us to stand to our feet and we're gonna declare uh, some of these truths together. But it's gonna come up on the screen here and we're gonna make a simple declaration. And what's gonna happen? I'm gonna read the bit in green, which is from Psalm 23, and then we're gonna declare together the words in blue, which is just the thank you that. Uh, so let's just have a little practice through while the band are getting set, and, uh, and then we'll be ready to really speak out with some worship and praise. So let's give it a go. The Lord is my shepherd. Thank you that you are my shepherd. I shall not want. Thank you that you are my provider. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Thank you, you are my peace. He restores my soul. Thank you that you are my healer. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you that you are my righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Thank you that you are my constant companion. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thank you that you are my defender. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Thank you that you are my sanctifier. Brilliant, we're gonna take it from the top and I want us to declare it now as praise. I want you to focus on the word my because it isn't just that God is provider. He's your provider. He's my provider. He's not just any shepherd. He's your shepherd and he's my shepherd. And I wanna encourage us as we make this declaration to say it as praise, to bring it as thanks from our hearts and from our spirits. So here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. Thank you that you are my shepherd. I shall not want. Thank you, you are my provider. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Thank you, you are my peace. He restores my soul. Thank you that you are my healer. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you that you are my righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Thank you, you are my constant companion. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thank you that you are my defender. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Thank you that you are my sanctifier. So let's declare this last verse together then as it comes up. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 